the best way I could describe it is there's some keys. There's kind of some keys here that, that once the body of Christ really gets a hold of these things, um, it changes the corporate worship experience. Now, you may have a great worship experience on your own, in your prayer closet, but there's something that happens when the body, the body of Christ as a whole, gets a hold of the truth of who we are as worshipers, our role, our responsibility as worshipers. And uh, you've probably all experienced those moments where it seems like we just come together, everything just clicks, and we're just, we're riding this thing in unity, and God is doing a powerful work. But too many times, um, there's lack maybe of understanding uh, the circumstances of life. Uh, you know, I, I'm very aware of the last few years and what that's done uh, just in our society as a whole. Um, I don't know if you guys experienced this. We were locked down during COVID twice, and it wasn't just for a week or a couple weeks. It was like weeks and weeks and weeks. And we opened up the first time, and we're real excited to get going again, and then he shut us down, I don't know, a few weeks after that. And, uh, you know, it did something to, I feel like it did something to the corporate life, corporate worship life, corporate life of the church in general, but the corporate worship life where, you know, people got accustomed to not gathering and not coming together and I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place where we need to be careful and cautious and those things, but, but what was intended, I think I'm going to add a chapter to my book. I'm working on that right now because the book was written before COVID, and then all this happened, and it's like, oh, man, I got something to say about this. Um, but, but, you know, the idea that we can just be okay with not coming together and worshiping in the house of the Lord uh, there's something that bothers me about that, especially as I've studied the word, I've dug in there, I've seen, you know, the purpose of corporate worship and what, is, what it's intended to be, yet it's like the enemy just assaulted that thing um, to the point where some people never came back. Uh, some people love to just watch it online, which if it can be engaging, that's okay. If they're engaged, that's okay. But, but I think there's something about coming into the house of the Lord and engaging with other believers, right? And so that's what we're contending for. Um, I'm going to say more about this probably tomorrow morning, but I'll just mention it now. We have, the book is called People of His Presence. And God spoke to me several years ago now. Uh, it's hard to believe, like, the last three years has been like a whirlwind. It seems like, you know, it's just all kind of up in the air. But we, uh, back in 2017, yeah, it's been five years. Ooh, okay. Back in 2017, God had really laid it on my heart to publish this book. Um, I had had the teaching for a long time. Um, people have asked me, you know, how long did it take you to write the book? I say about 30 years because it was 30 years of experiences, you know, and, and teachings that I went through and mentoring that I received. And I went to school um, uh, to a worship program, got some training. But, but God really laid it on my heart to publish it because he, I believe that he wants to make it accessible to the church. Um, 
because we need to get a hold of, like I said, these key things that I think will change the dynamic corporately if we really jump on board with what God says about worship and worship in the church. So um, we do have the book. I don't know if it's in this building right now. Is it? No, it's not. So we'll figure that out, and uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll maybe have it tomorrow night. Uh, are you all going to be back tomorrow night? Okay. Well, if you're not, then um, let me know, and maybe we can get your information if you want the book, and then we can find a way to get it to you, okay? Um, so I had a message. There's actually a couple of things that have really been uh, on my heart lately, and it's funny because I go back and forth between both of them, and it's like, God, which one do you want for this group of people? Um, and he changed it on me. <laughs> In the midst of all this stuff the last couple of days, uh, I have a message called Activate. And this is a message for this group. This is a message for this moment. I believe that God is setting this up. Um, and he's going to speak some things. He's going to do some things. He's going to break some things. He's going to use this group as a, a remnant, a catalyst for something big. Uh, how many of you are in worship ministry? Yeah, I know the team that was up here. Okay, got a couple more. Um, how many of you, like, are, you, you just do other ministries, like, within the church? You just serve in different areas? Is that most of you in the room? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I thought I was talking to leaders tonight. Um, that's what I felt, and you know, you, you may not see yourself as a leader, but you are a leader. Uh, I would just say by virtue of you being here on Saturday night, um, you have purposed to set an example, uh, and that's what a leader does. Um, you've purposed to learn and grow and become who God has called you to be. Uh, that's what a leader does. A leader positions himself in that way. And so I want to talk to you tonight about activating. There's a word activate. I'm going to unpack that in this teaching. But activating what God has put on the inside of you as a leader to begin to step out and do what he's called you to do even more effectively than you have before. Amen. Let me pray, and then I want to jump in. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're going to speak in these next moments. I thank you that it's a divine appointment, God, and it's, it's no accident that the people are here who are here tonight. And I pray that you speak to each of us, God. Challenge us, God, to grow. Challenge us to take steps, God, further in, in worship, further, God, in this thing that you've called us to do to be worshipers, to be those who would worship you in spirit and in truth. God, that's the kind of worshipers you desire, and I pray that you would give us your heart, Lord. Tell us, Lord, show us how we can, can move forward. Show us how we can become more like the worshipers that you desire, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, just kind of thinking about how to set this up. So we live in Cameron Park. Nobody knows where that is. We were talking about this earlier. Cameron Park, California is east of Sacramento. So we're kind of up in northern California, kind of mid-north, right? And then we're about an hour 15 away from Lake Tahoe. That's further to the east of us. But, um, you know, I, I love the outdoors anyway. I loved the outdoors when I lived here. 
But I really love the outdoors there because I can go hiking up in the mountains, you know, and all this water recreation. You know, there's all these lakes and rivers and just fun stuff to do. And um, we live by the American River, and it flows from the Folsom Lake kind of down into these towns um, where we live. And so I was not in our town too long. Um, I'd been there maybe two weeks, something like that. And I was just driving along. I was driving in a neighboring town, and I got to the, the place where the American River crosses, and I looked out. I was just driving on the bridge, and I looked out. I saw all these people out there, like the middle of the day, the middle of the week. I was like, do you guys work? Like, everyone was out there, like, on paddle boards and kayaks, and they were just, like, having the time of their life. And I said, I want to be out there. But, of course, I couldn't because I was on my way to doing something important. I was working, you know. Um, but God dropped something in my heart where I really felt, you know, that I'm, whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes, I am going to get out there on that river. Um, I don't care if I have to force a day off in here. I mean, I'm just starting in this position. The other thing I do is I direct a, a Bible college worship program your pastor mentioned. Um, so I'm busy. I'm in my first year, you know, I'm trying to set all this stuff up. I could easily just put this off and never get out there on the river, right? Things could just always get in the way. Life could always be too busy. I could cross that bridge every day if I wanted and never get out of my car and go down to the water, right? Um, so this is what God spoke to me. Just like I have determined, okay, I have, and by the way, I did get out on the river. For my birthday, thanks to my wife, for my birthday, they took me river rafting on the American River. Um, so I was able to do it. But I could have just come up with all kinds of reasons, all kinds of excuses. I'm not going to go out on the river, right? Uh, and then a year later, I could look back and say, man, I haven't even gotten out there on the river that I really wanted to go kayaking on or paddleboarding or, or whatever. So... Um, but I made a choice. This is the thing. I made a choice that I was going to do whatever it took to get out there on that water, right? And just like that river, there's a river that flows from the throne of God. You guys know about that? Psalm 46 talks about the river that flows from the throne of God. It's the presence of God. But here's the thing about that. We have to choose to step into the flow of that river just like I had to choose to step into the flow of the American River, right? And all kinds of things come our way, and we get busy, and we get distracted, and we have plenty of other things to do. Watch this. We have plenty of other things to do, but we need to decide in our heart of hearts that we're going to step into the flow of his presence, right? Uh, that, that's a principle in the Word of God. Christ died for everyone, but you and I have to choose to accept him. It's a choice, right? Um, there's answers to all kinds of situations we go through in the Word of God. He provides all these promises, all these answers, but you know what? I have to choose to read the Word, and I have to choose to apply it to my life, Right? And God has provided access. Here's the thing. He's provided access to his presence. But I have to choose to yield to 
his spirit. I have to choose to, the, to step into the flow of his river. I have to choose to leave the banks of the river and step in, right? It's my choice. Um, I believe that there is a flow. Listen, there is a flow to be found in corporate worship that is so deep, so compelling that the water actually draws me in. Actually draws me in. I want to read an excerpt from one of my favorite books. This is not my book, so I'm going to give credit to the author. He endorsed my book, um, Bob Sorge. He wrote a book called Following the River, and uh, I want you to hear what he says. He says, I am weary of watching seekers and sinners pass through the river of our worship service and come up the other side for the most part untouched. They leave a little damp saying, they have good music in that church. Or they may say, nice service. My heart aches every time I hear such plastic compliments from inquirers because I realize they've experienced far less among God's people than what Jesus died to provide. I will tell you what I'm looking for. My heart cries out, God, give us such a depth in your river of worship that people are swept off their feet in the glory of this life-giving flow. I'm looking for times when it doesn't matter in what condition you entered the worship service, whether an agnostic, a seeker, an atheist, an antagonist, a skeptic, a hypocrite, a believer, an unbeliever, a saint, a sinner, a Holy Ghost-filled, on-fire fanatic, or a bored, stiff-necked, hard-hearted cynic. Nobody who steps into that river is able to remain unchanged. Nobody is able to remain unchanged. I don't know about you, but that is what I want to encounter. I want to see God move in such a way that it doesn't matter what condition the people come in. They are transformed. They are transformed in the river of God. Um, we have to choose, though, to step in. Who I'm talking to tonight, you are the foundation. You are the catalyst you are the people who are going to say yes, and by virtue of you saying your yes, other people are going to come in. They're going to come into the flow because you chose to step in. On the other hand, if we step back on the bank and we just stay on the bank, we may miss an opportunity ourselves to jump into the flow, but we may also miss an opportunity to see somebody else step into the flow. See, this is leadership. It's about taking those steps. We have to choose to activate. There's that word. We have to choose to activate what God has put deep down on the inside of us. What does that word mean, activate? I looked it up. Uh, here's what Webster said. It says, to make something operative, to switch on, to start up, to get going, to set in motion, to trigger, to initiate, to energize activate. I have to take a step. I have to set something in motion. Uh, Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, this is 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verses 6 to 7, he urged Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in him. It was down on the inside. 
it came to him, it was imparted into him that the Spirit of God would rise up within him that does not make him timid, but gives him power, love, self-discipline, sound mind, whatever translation you read. There is something on the inside that God has imparted, but I have to choose to fan it into flame. I have to, another translation says, I have to choose to stir it up, stir up the gift within you. You know the interesting thing? The verses right before this, uh, he was talking about Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. And he said, look, your grandmother, your mother, they served God. They had a fire in them to pursue the purpose of God. But you're not just going to, you're not just going to, dwell on their faith. You're not going to lean on their faith. You're not going to get through just because they believed, just because they were on fire, just because they served me, just because they said yes. No, you have to stir up the gift within you and say yes to God. Let him begin to activate what's down on the inside. See, when we were saved, our spirit was made alive in Christ But our flesh constantly wars against the longings of the Spirit. Your spirit can't wait to experience God's presence, but your flesh wants to stay busy with other things. Your spirit can't wait to rise up in boldness and declare the high praises of God, but your flesh wants to remain timid and fearful. Your spirit can't wait to dive in to the deeper things of God, but your flesh is satisfied with just enough to appease the conscience, right? Listen, just enough is not enough. Can I say that to this room? Just enough is not enough. God is calling for a living sacrifice. You know what a living sacrifice is? It's everything in me. It's all of me offered up as pleasing worship to him. It's going to take everything being yielded to the plan and purpose of God. It's going to take ownership of our responsibility as worshipers. I'm going to be swept off my feet. I have decided I am going to be swept off my feet just because I'm standing in the river and I've yielded myself to its flow. And that is a decision that I have to make. That's a decision that you have to make. We have to say yes to the move of God. This is something else I want to bring out. Um, We're talking about activating, activating what's on the inside. Have you ever noticed, I'm going to preach about this in the morning. Have you ever noticed that the multitude in heaven has complete ownership of the worship taking place around the throne? Read Revelation 4. Revelation 5, you see a picture of what's going on around the throne. There's no worship leader prodding them to worship. The saints and angels haven't somehow decided that someone else can carry the worship today, right? No, it's going on continually around the throne. The multitude has risen up in their role, their identity, and said yes to worship. You know, when they're worshiping actually around the throne, it's the sound of many waters Revelation chapter 19, I've studied this out, and sometimes people think the sound of many waters is the voice of God. The sound of many waters is the voice of the multitude worshiping, erupting in praise and worship around the throne. Um, It's an awesome thing, awesome sound. 
Our responsibility in corporate worship is to step into the flow, to join the song that's already begun. It's already started by the heavenly host around the throne of God. I'm going to say this tomorrow too, but you get it tonight. So, you know, it's not just, it's not just that we have to somehow pull off this perfect worship experience. And if it doesn't all go perfectly, oh man, we didn't really get there today. I've heard that. Listen, we don't have to have the perfect worship service right here. You know what we need to do? We need to come into alignment with the perfect worship service that's going on around the throne right now. We just need to let our yes be sounded. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will worship you. Um, now, a lot of times, the platform, okay, the, platform, the worship team, okay, um, they are seen as activators. Remember, I'm talking about activate. They're seen as the activators of worship. And then we may, out here, we may kind of come along. Uh, we may help experience it. We may step into the flow if, there's a big if, if circumstances are right, if life is going reasonably well, if they sing the songs I know, if they sing them at the volume I prefer, if the people on the platform don't ask me to participate in any way that would stretch me or violate my comfort zone, then I will stir up the thing that's down on the inside. No, 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 no. I, I, here's what I believe. I believe if the pastor, if the worship leader, someone in leadership operating in spiritual gifts, Paul talks a lot about spiritual gifts. You know why? Because we need to learn how to flow with them. We need to learn how to use them. We need to learn how to activate them in a corporate setting. But if someone uh, encourages us to respond in worship and the response is biblical, the best thing we can do is say yes. That is the best thing we can do. We, we have arguments that have set themselves up in our minds. High arguments. Scripture talks about this. And we talk ourselves right out of doing the very thing that the Spirit of God is prompting us to do. You know, the beautiful thing about corporate worship is that it's not just about my experience. Sometimes we come into a room like this and it's all about, okay, don't bother me. Stop, you know, I'm just going to do my thing. Well, God can accomplish something in you, but he wants to accomplish something in us. He wants to bring us together to accomplish something together. Um, going back to that, that excerpt I read from Following the River, I get weary. I get weary of comments like, well, the worship didn't really hit the mark today, you know, or, yeah, I wasn't really into that message. You know what that is? That's consumerism. We have enough of that in society. We don't need that in the church. Consumerism is, if you don't give me what I want, I'll go somewhere else. That's consumerism. That is not kingdom. There's consumerism and there's kingdom. You know what kingdom is? The Spirit of God draws near and he's prompting the church to move with him and we say, yes, God will do it. It doesn't matter how I feel today. It doesn't matter if you're singing my favorite song today. 
I'm going to step into the flow because I know that's what you're wanting in this moment. We need to not simply be consumers, but we need to rise up in our identity as worshipers. We need to take ownership of the worship service. We need to become activators of worship. You and I can become activators of worship. Then the platform doesn't have to drive the worship. Listen, the platform doesn't have to drive the worship, but can simply come alongside and help support what's already happening naturally right out here because the multitude has risen up and said yes to the worship of the Lord. It's time for you and I to say yes. We get so fixated on the outward, external things that make worship good or bad. You know what the true test is, though? Kind of hinted at it uh, in reading that other passage. The true test Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, if an unbeliever comes in, he is convinced, he is convicted, and the secrets of his heart are revealed and falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. That is the test. It's not how good the music sounded. It's not whether I felt it or, listen, it's not whether I felt it or not. It's whether there is such a powerful presence of God in the room that that person who knows nothing, has no context, can walk in and be total, totally and radically transformed in the presence of God. Let me read something else out of Following the River. He says, there is a transition. There is a transition to be found where the congregation rises to its identity as the great multitude and takes ownership of the worship service. They become initiators of worship. Then when the worship time becomes the domain of the great multitude, the platform, the worship leader, the worship team, the pastor, simply become facilitators of that which is being generated, energized, activated by the multitude. When this transition happens in corporate worship, the dynamics are absolutely powerful and heavenly. We move out of rigid preparation of a song list into the river of God. A new song begins to arise from the hearts of God's people. The multitude finds its voice and rises up like loud thunder to take ownership of their place before the throne of God, to initiate passionate praise to the lover of their souls. Worship leaders become facilitators of what is deriving already from the multitude, supporting it, helping it maintain momentum. And the glory of God fills the house of worship, and we are now in swimming depth water where miracles and healings are happening, and a prophetic spirit falls in the place, causing the hearts of even unbelievers to be laid bare, and they fall on their faces, worshiping the one who is seated on the throne. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Oh, what a foretaste. This is what I contend for when I travel to different churches, most of them Northern California, Nevada. We go into different churches most weeks, three out of four weeks a month. And I never know what I'm going to encounter. But what I contend for is the kind of worship that's going to usher in the powerful presence and power and glory of God. 
that hearts are going to be changed. We don't need to leave uh, another meeting and be unchanged and untouched. We need to see the presence of God come and the Spirit of God to do the work that he wants to do. i got to speak to this. Um, this whole thing is often an identity issue. The body of Christ does not know who they are. The body, uh, by and large, the body of Christ does not understand who they are. Their role, their responsibility as worshipers the pastor, the worship leader, they're not going to feel threatened when you and I discover who we are and we, we rise up in our identity. They're not going to feel like you're going to just, you know, take over or something. They're going to, trust me, because I've been in that seat. Any pastor is going to be thrilled when the congregation finally says, you know what, I'm going to take ownership of this thing. I'm just going to rise up as a worshiper. No pastor sitting there saying, oh, I don't know about so-and-so. I, I hope they don't worship today. No pastor says that. None. Every pastor says, I hope my church begins to rise up in their identity as the multitude and worship the, God, worship the Lord. And listen, while the platform's voice, quote, voice, can be loud, we've got microphones, we've got speakers, we've got amplified instruments, right, you know, uh, I believe this, nothing compares, nothing compares to the voice of the multitude. It is the sound of thunder that sweeps through the atmosphere and begins to bring transformation because the way has been prepared for the Lord to come and move like he wants to move. 